The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. No! Please! I can get the credits! I'm a good patron, I promise! I didn't stuff no bounty box, no how! It's too late for credits, friend. Green Doug sends his regards. Courtesy of the Dark Times Podcast. Welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Steven, your favorite bedocious bounty hunter. And I'm Sam, your always short on credits lackey. <laughs> it's true. You're poor as fuck. We hit close to home here on the Dark Times podcast. <laughs> That's great. We're keeping that in, Steven. Good. Uh, we have some feedback from two weeks ago at this point. We got an email from Zloy Krolik. Zloy said... Hey, Sam and Steven. Uh, notice Sam is first in that uh, email. How well, Steven's say? usually first, so it's fine. I'm okay with that. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> Emasculated sounds more like a permanent condition to me. Maybe a DC 25 treat injury check to remove. What are your thoughts? I was thinking two steps down the condition track, one for each nut. Wow. Um, you know what I was thinking, Sam, is how tired I am of talking about this. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Zloy said, I liked your modification to the final encounter in the Extracting Elise adventure. The original was uninteresting, not even worth running. You could just as easily just narrate the outcome of that CL disparity. Yeah. Now you have something interesting, and the players will think they got away with something rather than just wiping out the security forces. Your comment about adding in an ATAT reminds me of when I used one in a campaign a while ago. This was before COVID and we were playing IRL. I'd bought a Star Wars miniatures ATAT from a vendor at a game convention, and my players didn't know I had it. The encounter was the group and a bunch of allies, including Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Princess Leia, rescuing Wookiees from enslavement by the Empire. Classic. This is the Calcasta special, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think Galen Merrick probably did the same thing, right? Probably. I think he did that in Force Unleashed too. Oh, like fight an ATAT? Um, well, ye- and like save Wookiee slaves. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened maybe in one of the DLCs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The encounter was going how the players planned it until I put on the Battle in the Snow soundtrack and the ATAT walking sound effect. The players look at me, waiting for the reveal. I pull out the giant ATAT. They were floored. One of them says, Shit gets real when the ATAT comes out. <laughs> The encounter ended up with the group escaping with the Wookiees and the ATAT toppled over in a pile of wreckage. As they were leaving orbit, one of them asks where Princess Leia was. The last time they saw her, she was taking cover in the stand of trees the ATAT later fell on. Zloy Krolik. Thank you, Zloy, for that incredibly riveting email. <laughs> Seriously, I, I looked up this miniature's ATAT you, you described, and it's really cool. Like, what a fucking cool toy. I would I would still love to have this to this day. It's Really fun that they made this part of the miniatures line, even though it's like massive. An oh, eBay, one eBay listing I saw said one to one scale, and I really hope it isn't. <laughs> it's like I seriously doubt that. But uh, hey, buddy, we got this thing in thirty parts. I need someone to sign for this. Yeah, <laughs> it comes on like a, like several freight trucks. It comes with like a a two liter drum of like wash yeah. for your miniature painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really cool story. So thanks. Steven. Yes, Sam. What did you bring for us to talk about this week? Yeah. So we were going to do one thing, but then we did. We're, now we're going to do something else, <laughs> as is so often the case. 
And why are we doing something? We're still going to do the first thing. No one knows what the first thing was. Yeah, so we, we're okay. going to do the first thing. Absolutely. But and now we're going to do this other thing. Uh, I'm, we finished after, I think, maybe three or four sessions, a run of Starfall, a famous fan favorite WEG module from back in the day uh, that was painstakingly converted to Swissy by by a, a very skilled individual known as Weedle Hunter or Killbot7. That's West End Games for you who don't speak bocce out there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, the, the, absolutely. This was the D6 RPG, uh, Star Wars first RPG that um, that ran for a very, very long time, like from the early 80s all the way through the 90s. Beloved by many was many people's first intro to Star Wars, to RPGs, to both. Uh, and, and the WEG game has a, a really important part in, in Star Wars history. It was, you know, it gave name to certain things like, you know, Twi'leks and Rodians, you know, certain things that, that we hold dear and consider like core to the Star Wars experience to this day. And Antarian Rangers, if I'm not wrong, right? I believe that was the, the genesis of, of Rodney's favorite uh, force tradition, the, the Antarian Rangers as well. Oh, God. I just go back and listen to that episode sometimes just because it was such a good interview. It was a really and good interview. I, we should we should get a hold of him again. He, he seemed interested in, in saying hello at least a couple more times. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you and I have very different views of how that interview went down. And in my head, I was I was like, oh, fuck, he's never going to want to talk to us ever again. Why do you always <laughs> say that? I don't know, you know, just set low expectations for myself and the listeners. I was going to say, like, I think this is just your self-defeatist <laughs> philosophy taking over all, again and again. We're really putting me out. Just airing my dirty laundry yep, on Sam's the podcast poor. Today. Sam has no confidence in themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no droids you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> no mi- low midichlorian count. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's Starfall. Starfall is really cool. It is an extremely detailed module. It puts the party in the center of a rapidly decaying Victory Star Destroyer. It's made in such a way to where it easily slots into any campaign. And in fact, I had to make some pretty key adjustments to get to fit into my story. And we'll go over those, you know, as we as we progress the module together. Uh, just a heads up, this will probably be a two parter because, of course, you know, I'm 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 something of a genius, and my notes are incredibly <laughs> detailed, and and then you know could not fit. You no, know, all, all my my thoughts and adjustments could not fit in a single episode. So I prefer idiot savant hold savant for when I describe <laughs> Stephen. Exactly. So uh, first off, I, I really don't want to sound like, you know, I was laying out all my notes and my thoughts on this module. I don't want to sound like one of the people, Sam, you, you probably know about this, who goes like way off track from Internet Recipe and then shows up in the comments, like just screeching <laughs> about how it didn't work right. I made this garlic bread, but I replaced the garlic with shallots and it turned out like dog shit. Yeah, What's exactly. The problem? Yeah. And, and, it's and your fault. It, precisely. And, and, you know, that's such a, you know, well-known, well-documented phenomenon. I didn't want to. You like, leave my shallot bread alone, Steve. <laughs> shallot bread would probably be pretty good. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to. St- I told you, stop recording these while hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. This show always makes me fucking hungry. But yeah, all that being said, I, I made obviously some necessary but appropriate changes to fit the module in my campaign. Like everyone should, like everyone like will. This module, I'm pretty sure, fits into a sequence of like 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 an actual story that was published across several modules for for the WEG game. Um, I'm not actually sure of that, but <laughs> there's some other WEG modules I was looking into to help drive and inspire my campaign, and they all had like these characters in them, and I was like, oh. 
wow, maybe these are all like part of one story or something. But yeah, the, the changes I made don't represent problems that I have with like Weedle Hunter's conversion or even with the module themselves. Um, but, but these were like fully independent calls I made either on the fly or in my prep just to maximize fun at the table, just to tweak the the tastes to my campaign and what my players expected and what they were geared for. Because you know what your players, first of all, you know your party. Yeah. And you know your players pretty well as as, as well, I'd like to think. So you kind of know like, oh, they probably won't like the the two hour long sculpting session uh, <laughs> in the module, which you had. Weedle Hunter insisted on including the. <laughs> the Imperial Admiral sculpting himself out of clay for an hour and a half. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, Sam, a module published in 1989 cannot fully encapsulate like everything I wanted to do and everything I, I had at my disposal. There was definitely a few parts where I was like, oh, this is cool. I see where they were going, but it was absolutely a limitation of the game at the time. Like they, they you'll see, I'll point out a couple specific examples down the line where I was like, oh, this made sense in 1989, but does not today. <laughs> so I guess we'll just get started. I want to read from the module itself slash conversion. It's, it's all the same in this adventure. A group of rebel agents find themselves imprisoned aboard a battle-torn Star Destroyer. With them is one of the Alliance's top engineers, Walex Blissix, a designer of the Victory One-class Star Destroyer. They must make their way through the ruined ship to the hangar bay in hopes of finding an escape craft. The only obstacles between them and freedom are legions of Imperial troops, 900 meters of twisted wreckage, and a ruthless Imperial captain bent on their destruction. When I read that first, like, mini-paragraph, that's when I, I was, like, immediately sold on this module. I was like, holy shit! 900 meters of twisted wreckage like that sounds so much fucking fun and, and it is oh that's great to continue but the rebels soon discover that their lives and the life of their charge are not all that hangs in the balance the star destroyer recently pounded by a rebel strike fleet is not as wounded as it appears it has one last weapon to use against the returning alliance ships it has itself Set to self-destruct, the ravaged engines still contain enough power to obliterate the shattered Star Destroyer and its fast-approaching enemies. Can a handful of rebels save the unsuspecting fleet before time runs out? This is the challenge that must be faced in Starfall. That's chills, right? It's riveting. It's so exciting. There, even you know, not to not to compare you know kings here, but that pitch has more like fuel, just more pure like petroleum vitriol in it than. At least 80% of the modules in in Swissy, like easily. <laughs> wow. Just way more gas in the tank from from the start than, than, you know, most other stuff we have to deal with. Oh, what a fresh idea, Yuri. Oh, what if you're all prisoners on a ship and you got to leave the ship? Oh, no, it's going to explode. Let's just... <laughs> All right, Steven, just only but a goodie. I understand. I was talking about the pitch. The content is classic, <laughs> of course. This From far away, and we can also point out a few places specifically where this is the case, from far away without your glasses on, this is the same as any official D&D dungeon from the past 30 years, like, especially <laughs> if you start as a prisoner. I mean, come on. That's so deep, man. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> so just a couple notes a little preliminary stuff this module comes with the game master's guide to the vsd subjugator the subjugator of course being the the ship where our story takes place chock full of maps and other info perfect for improvising a clever player's grand scheme or filling time with smaller encounters 
another fun note, each episode or part of this module has cutaways and read alouds that you're meant to like act out with the other players that like give context to like the surrounding events to, to what the players experience. Wait, wait, read alouds as in the players read them out loud also? Yeah, like or? full scenes. Like you'll like... <laughs> There's cutaways like cutaway to the rebel fleet. Okay, uh, Sam, you're going to be the the Mon Calamari admiral heading the ship. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought you meant as their players, but with no. the lines provided. No, by that would the be book. hilarious. That would be <laughs> even like, funnier. It's awful. No, what it is, it's it's there's different scenes like between the Imperials on the Star Destroyer, between the rebels and the fleet outside, like discussing and acting out their own perception of of the events as they transpire. We should have done that. That sounds awesome. No, we didn't do that for a couple reasons. <laughs> Sorry, if, if it was a party of all Sam's, we would have done that. The story in the module had nothing to do with what we I'd have to rewrite oh, okay. them all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That, I thought they were just relating to the ship about to explode. No, no. Like they, they had characters that I cut from our run entirely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes more sense. <laughs> but yeah, that those read alouds were another like piece of this you know i pulled it out of the bin there's like this antique dangling bit on the end and it's like wow this is this is archaic i don't know of any modern <laughs> modules or adventure paths that like include like scripted cutaways for the players to act out like popcorn rating style <laughs> it's like it's like the handle of the weapon is like covered in spikes because it's ornamental and you're like why did we use these yeah exactly these are awful <laughs> i appreciate it and, and honestly they're they're charming and probably add a lot to the immersion but they they had nothing to do with what we were doing so i, I skipped them entirely the first episode of Starfall is called Blind Man's Bluff. They're just they're parts. I'm going to the, the module calls them episodes. I'm going to keep calling them episodes, but they're they're just parts. Overall, I got through roughly one to one and a half episodes per session per like three hour session. Our party's pretty efficient. There wasn't really any stalls that I could think of. None that come to mind right now. But yes, roughly. I think. Go ahead. I think part of it had to do was our MO was very much set in stone when we went in. Like the goal was to leave. Oh, that, that's and that's the goal in the module. Yeah, but like we're pretty familiar. with. I mean, it's one of those things where you're playing with them with on, online as like a one shot or over oh, a few yeah. weeks or anything like that versus people who have known each other for over five years. And we're pretty set on like. I don't need to. This isn't about my character's specific development with the force right now. It's about this adventure. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. That's no, I I see what you're saying. And that's I I think that's kind of what I meant earlier when I was alluding to that. You know, we didn't we were very efficient, very good at working together as a as a table. So, yeah, um, maybe if you're playing with strangers, maybe it's three hours per episode. We were we were about two hours per episode on average. So you'll probably fall somewhere in between there. The encounters overall are very straightforward uh, and honestly, super lightweight and fun. So there was nothing where we had to sit there and be like, uh, what weird? Uh, huh. Plus I'm just a master game. master. <laughs> I'm just, I'm better than most people. At yeah. This. A, a, a bad GM blames and credits his tools. A good GM is Zenith law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blind man's bluff. Uh, Players start in prison in a detention block. Classic. That, that there's a little more embellishment for the, when the module opens up, but that's that's really it. You're you're in prison. A mysterious explosion rocks them from outside, knocks them to the ground. They lose consciousness. They wake up. Their cells are open. It's dark as hell. Um, I ran this whole episode. I challenged myself to at least run one episode exactly as written, and I I, cho- I chose the first one because it was I, I liked it the best. Awesome. Super awesome. I, I had a great time. My players told me it was frustrating, tense, scary. 
because this whole module you're fighting in the dark with pretty much no weapons. A plus. I loved it. Um, players were challenged. They, they even told me they, they did not prefer it. And I was like, good. That's a good sign. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to say that our party is full of there's not a single melee yeah. bruiser among Precisely. us. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, that's important to mention as we go through this module, uh, dear, dear listeners. I, 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 I'm a little bit of an asshole. I told my players, <laughs> I, I told my players at the start of, of this campaign I'm running, you're building pilots. You know, there will be other stuff. You know, I, I gave them a list of things they might expect to encounter, but like primarily this will be a vehicular combat campaign. And the first like 60% of the campaign, I held true to that, but we've had two big arcs, two big segments of our campaign where the, the threats have been largely terrestrial, largely on foot. And I, I did this on purpose to challenge them and to make them feel scared and also to, you know, really put the fire under their asses to learn, you know, tactics, conservation of resources, stuff like that. And it will pay off in the end, I'm sure of it, especially when, you know, they can sit back in the cockpit of an X-Wing again and, and feel feel happy, which, by the way, they are already getting a little tired of before. Um, <laughs> before I took away their toys. So yeah, don't listen to them complaining about it. I, they were complaining before also. <laughs> I just changed what they were complaining about. Um, but yeah, so that, that kind of makes this, they're very high level, but they also, none of them were built for close quarters combat at all. So it, it really makes an encounter like this super challenging when they cannot see and they can barely fight overall going from basically naked in the dark with no weapon to ramping up to like a later encounter. We might go over next episode that was very tense, highly planned out, very tactical. The The power progression was, was just awesome. It was like going from level one to nine all over again. It was very cool. Big glaring issue in the conversion. Weedle Hunter gave the strength DC to pull open the, the broken cell doors, DC 29. And he also limits the number of heroes who can aid to two. That just doesn't work. It's not a That's, challenging DC that that just straight up isn't possible to do. Well, so, OK, I've got plus five to my strength. I roll a nat 20. We've got two other people who roll so, <laughs> over 10. That's 29. So do you see do you see the problem with that? <laughs> also, why do you have a plus five to your strength? Because I'm a herglig with. <laughs> OK, good. You're, you're actually is perfect, Sam. You're illustrating the exact point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> The first skill challenge of the module should not only be possible to pass on a nat 20 with a highly specific bill. <laughs> maybe, maybe Weedle Hunter meant like athletics. That's not like a skill oh, yeah. in the system, That's though. Not a skill. <laughs> <laughs> that's a popular homebrew that we we use at our table, but that's that's not. No, it, it's it's strength. Uh, that's a that's a fair point. <laughs> They might have put meant to put 19 there. People have already addressed this in the comments on the wiki already, by the way. This is not a new, I'm not the first one to uncover this particular nugget. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll be writing up a formal review of this for the wiki to get it approved as well. But this will be something that will have to be changed before before it can go to full approval. Uh, I, I just I think I changed it to 19 for you guys and it was it was fine. It still took a couple tries and it, it felt like that a, sounds a challenge. Fair. Yeah. So you effectively knock out a few dungeoneers and a um uh, an interrogation droid or two and it's overall pretty fun again darkness uh and lack of weapons was what really made this encounter memorable i don't know sam you played it dude i please jump in and share your thoughts at any point with any of these episodes the being limited on resources was very crucial to this engagement mm -hmm. the tools that we have 
as like modern game players and game masters is really incredible because I believe you used we were using Roll Twenties lighting system, yeah, and it's it's pretty immersive to be like I don't know where part of my party is and I don't know where the bad guys are until they're right on top. It's a little buggy, but yeah. it works really well for its purposes. And I one of our I think Yegor pulled out some wire from the wall and like fashioned a garrote because we had just talked about it on the podcast like the week before. That was I was really <laughs> proud of him for that one and honestly it was it was kind of fucking funny. He was like, you "Hey, fucking minus 10." <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge. Uh, I listen to your podcast, GM. Can I make a garrote? And I'm like, "Sure, buddy." Like, "Holy fuck." But yeah, <laughs> I, I so felt good. I, I liked the call I made at that time. Yeah, he just ripped some wires out of the wall and was like, "Can I fashion this new garrote?" I'm like, "Give me a mechanics check." And he Nailed it. So yeah, you got to reward player creativity. Absolutely. Is, you know, and then he, that's he all, GM. Hey, hey, listener. That's all it is. If your GM does anything, it's just to reward player creativity. <laughs> the, and the funniest thing is that he, 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 I loved, I loved how he thought to to make that garrote. And then he went on to fail every attack he attempted to make with <laughs> it, the rest hand. of the module. Not a single hit. No, yeah. For like <laughs> the next entire rest of the module. He just gave it to an NPC who ended up using it to great effect later on. It was so funny. Let me tell you, as a character level nine who had half of his feats and talents regarding using heavy weapons, yeah. being stripped of his heavy weapons, it's pretty rough out there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You you were used to having, you know, like a heavy uh, rotary cannon or, or something, whatever you're something using. Something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like then you went straight from that to a baton. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baton and like a blaster pistol, if we're lucky. Yeah, uh, it was so. And then also like ammo, ammunition yeah. Yeah. being a very crucial. We couldn't because you couldn't requisition gear anymore. It yeah. was straight up like you're in the you're in your fucking skivvies, an orange jumpsuit, but not the kind you're comfortable with because you're a rebel pilot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, these are the prisoner jumpsuits, not not the one you choose to put on every morning. How cruel. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you're I, yeah, I forgot about the hard limits I put on ammo, which are, are straight from the converted module. They, they do a really good job of it's funny. We, we talk about how we don't really do looting in Swissy, but this is one time where I kind of like, you know, took the limiters off and really encouraged looting. And you guys like lived or died by looting your enemies. And I, I was just handing out random amounts of, of blaster shots in energy packs. It was so fun. You guys would down a room full of guys and be like, oh, yeah, um, you find 11 shots. Have fun, fuckers. Like yeah, <laughs> we made a few power pack bombs yeah. in the whole adventure made too. A that power was pack bombs that worked out like well. Efficient use of materials at hand, and we're smart enough to not be like, "Oh, everyone, put on these stormtrooper costumes really quick." Like we're not, <laughs> even though they do that in Star Wars, which is funny that we were like, "No, that would take too long, and that would draw more people to our location." Yep. <laughs> and our GM's smart enough to not let us spend 20 minutes uh, putting clothes on, you know? Yeah, uh, it was it was a good time. I, I, I really enjoyed. And oh, you were talking about darkness earlier. I love that you guys had to guess. This was a very unique problem that I, well, I don't ever really see at the table a lot. Being unaware of where your allies are at. Uh, something that you can only really achieve in, in a VTT, at least easily. The, the fact yeah. that you guys were forced to coordinate because that was your only chance of survival and basically had to guess where each other were and where the enemies were felt really, you use the word immersive to like fighting for your life in the dark. <laughs> it was very cool. Holding actions like, oh, I'm going to hold, I'm going to bang a stormtrooper over the head with this piece of metal if he yeah. comes around the corner here. Oh, yeah. And we don't know if he's coming or not. It's yeah. like, oh, he's at the end of the initiative tracker. Did I just waste my turn holding this action? Yeah. You don't know until it happens. And then. 
just some great moments. Very, very Ender's game, you know, just, just fucking Absolutely. buck naked in the shower, <laughs> kicking dudes asses. Absolutely. <laughs> After you escape the detention block, uh, Waylex Blissix is the, is like we said earlier, the prominent uh, Imperial defector who's with the party uh, in my game. This was uh, commander Fanrot, the, uh, the commanding officer for the party who was imprisoned with them. He had prior Imperial service aboard this very ship. So in a twist of irony, he was kind of the guide to, to help the party escape. And in another twist of irony, he fucking died, but we'll, we'll get to that, <laughs> get to that later. Yeah. So Waylex or whatever prominent individual happens to be accompanying the party wants to access a terminal in the nearby engineering section to figure out what the hell's going on with the star destroyer. Once they find out the ship has been secretly set to self-destruct, Blissix plans to covertly set the explosion one hour earlier to surprise the imps and escape. Uh, after a really cool and dangerous skill challenge, instead of a burning engine, commander of the VSD starts taunting the party over the intercom, sending through, uh, sending them through various gauntlets to test their military strength and, and tactics. Sam, do you remember the skill challenge instead of the burning engine? Yeah, it involves taking like balancing and going down a ladder. Yeah, there's like these collapsing twisted staircase and catwalks that like intersect over this like massive atrium that is the interior of a burning Star Destroyer engine. There's like flames everywhere. I really turned up the imagery for this part as encouraged. You're really not supposed to be in there while it's on. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very. And of course, the computer you need to access for some reason is, you know, in the middle of all of this. I love Imperial design. Yeah, right. And, you know, the, the module says like, oh, yeah, the whole party should go through this. But my players were very smart and were like, why would we send anyone except one of us through that like hell gauntlet? Like, And we made sure that we were holding on to him with uh with the, what's it called? The synthrope, synthrope also. Yeah. You guys looted some synthrope. That was straight out of the module. The module provides some loot tables. Uh, and you guys use that synthrope to just basically tether. Uh, it was catch your most acrobatic party member to the party and let him, you know, trance along these, these collapsing like catwalks and staircases. That, not because he was the most expendable, oh, but yeah. because he was the most fit to actually do that stuff. Pretty much. He was really <laughs> the only one capable of, of having any chance of surviving. This was a lethal lethal skill challenge you can look it up yourself it's like it is a roll or die he was uh, literally challenge. the only one trained in acrobatics as well i believe precisely yeah I, I think i said that earlier and uh he nearly died i think but did make it out he was rolling like shit and then he got a few <laughs> key yeah. nat 20s towards the middle and end that that he was able to just kind of get on out of there really really cool oh and then uh yeah the so like the the, the captain his name is uh gosh where is it Captain Koloff in event two of, of episode two here, journey to the core, the, the module describes some just impossible geometry. Captain comes over the comm and is like, ah, oh, lesson number one, uh, take a, uh, get past a, a, a fire intersection. The encounters says like, okay, yeah, there's stormtroopers that surprise the party 30 meters away. We, we call that 45 squares. Also they're at medium range and they have an E-web, but like look up the weapon range for heavy weapons. No, no way is that 45 squares. Let me just get it. A E-Web is a heavy weapon, right? Medium range starts at 100 squares, so it's not even halfway there. It's got to be a holdover from WEG. Like it the has to be. It absolutely WEG is. had to be different. Yeah, and it, of, of course, it, it is absolutely that. Because so, let's be honest, the ranges in Saga Edition are really generous. Massive. They're huge. So something to keep in mind, I found a compromise that worked for me. 
I just ha- had the eweb firing at a minus two because obviously the the spirit of the encounter was that it wasn't supposed to be very effective. It was just supposed to be a deterrent. It wasn't supposed to actually kill the players. <laughs> Except for the player that gets. Except for the player that did get that twenty uh, and went down <laughs> later. Yeah, that was Diego again. And yeah, really cool encounter. You you basically uh, surprise the party. You you force them down one hallway into a crossfire segment and like the the southern end of the encounter, and they have to I run past open fire and then close the door behind them to escape. It, it's kind of cruel. It's very much an old school encounter, but very effective, very fun. That, but also carrying our our blissex yeah who is like very weak at this point and like can barely move i slam this is part of like the game master's guide to the the vsd but like you're meant to slam them with like just little shit in between encounters like radiation hazards are, are an example given so i hit them with a heavy like i think I, I picked out the severe radiation hazard which i regretted later but honestly you know fuck them um <laughs> Just yeah. like and, yeah, because treating radiation takes eight hours just to do. Yeah, you know we learned that later, but it, it worked out. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I slammed them with a radiation hazard when they were climbing up an elevator shaft prior, and and that nearly downed their NPC. So they were basically dragging him through this whole encounter, which made it extra hard. Really fun. A little bit at, towards the end of the same episode, there's a really interesting stealth encounter. It has like the bones of like a perfect stealth encounter. This is another thing where I was like, okay, in '89, this probably made sense, but today it does not. The encounter just begins. Players are flashbanged and then hit with smoke grenades in a small room full of like equipment for them to trip over and shit. And then the, the module is very clear. You throw a dozen troopers at them. And then when six are dead, they leave. <laughs> and every time you describe it to me, Stephen, I think of the fucking Scooby-Doo like running noise. That's like- exactly <laughs> what I think of, too, when I when I read it. And I'm like. Yeah, this is okay, but I was sitting there like 45, 30 minutes before our session, and I was like, I'm going to do this way better. This encounter sucks ass. So instead, I threw in six shadow stormtroopers. Those are like the stealth variant of stormtroopers and an officer that I think I added a little. No, I gave him. I upped his, I gave him his better weapon, I think. I gave him. He had some grenades, I think. He had some grenades, and I replaced his pistol with a carbine. Um, just to beef him up a little bit because he was a bit behind his uh, shadow stormtrooper buddies. You pulled him out of the out of the blunt rotation and and took him into this encounter. <laughs> yeah, the dream exactly. encounter rotation. And I found a the shadow stormtroopers, which were a DMF enemy. God, God bless DMF's guide. Had this really awesome kind of the classic uh, what's um, ghost assailant combo. Uh, from uh, this, yes. Yeah, yeah. So there was lots of flat footing. They would spend a standard action to flat foot just the nearest member of the party. And then the officer would grant an extra action, the others for an extra attack. And then all the others would aid on that extra attack. So it was kind of this nasty, like stealth team up attack thing. It it got some damage in the party was wise to it pretty quick and just started shutting them down immediately. But I got some serious damage in with that one. It was, it was a good time. It was very, felt very swissy. The hard part, you did a great job, Steven. Thank you. The hard part was it's, Concealment from the smoke grenade. Yeah. So no clue where the shadow troopers are. Yeah. Rolled to see if we can well, detecting enemies is like a standard action. Yeah. Right? So you're, yeah, you're blowing so your attack just to look for enemies. Exactly. Yeah. Just to find them. Yeah. And of course, you got to target the officer when you get when you see him, you know, because that guy's a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's in his finely pressed suit and shit. And you're like, that guy sucks. Let's kill him first. <laughs> Yeah, that was another time. That was one of probably half a dozen times where you guys like clustered for safety because no doubt you guys are scared. You're 
at half or less health for pretty much this whole module and low at virtually, you know, no resources. So you cluster for safety. And I just started chucking grenades at you guys. Like, <laughs> we, just, it took us a little bit to learn that lesson, but we learned it eventually. <laughs> All the way up till our last session. I think like three grenades in that session alone, like went off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Definitely. Cause you kept clustering. I was like, I'm just going to keep, teaching them this fucking lesson <laughs> really funny they're like oh let's all take cover behind this desk it'll be really cool and i'm like <laughs> frag grenade <laughs> frag out yeah <laughs> and yeah it was a cool encounter because the the shadow troopers are, are immune to to concealment and, and all that stuff you so know, cool so really cool. just fun very scary it was great when the party would like fail to notice a target that was right behind them and then oh, i would yeah. just i would just start blasting good time all around and then I think probably, well, we got time to do one more episode, Sam, and, and that pretty much cuts the module in half and then we can cover the, the rest next time. For sure. Right. All right. Yeah. So the next episode is called Engine Core Attack. The party finally makes it to the control core, learns that a rebel fleet is pummeling the VSD from the outside, blissfully unaware of their presence on board. Walix gets them to the control core to change the explosion shutdown timer, but admits in probably the most ridiculous fucking twist ever is that he doesn't actually know how to use computers. <laughs> he just wanted them to get him out of the, you know, yeah. just to save him. They finally bring him to this computer and he like starts crying. It says in the module, he just starts like, like bawling. He's like, sorry guys, I don't know how to use computers. I'm actually a fraud. Like, oh, how did I design Star Destroyers if I didn't know how to use computers? Well, that's because my daughter did most of the work. Um, sorry. <laughs> this guy rules. Yeah, I know. He's, I was like, what the fuck am I reading? It's about that time when Captain Koloff comes in over the intercom and is like, aha, your final lesson, I hope. Yeah, this had some really corny dialogue that I absolutely adored reading out loud. Let me pull it up right now, actually. I want to read it. Yes, I love it. Yes, corny dialogue. Ahoy. Oh, funny. So the the party gets there. Uh, Walex is like, well, I can't use computers. I lied to you and everyone forever. And then, you know, pretty much right then. Koloff comes in the intercom. How very disappointing. Just when I was beginning to think you might have a micro bit of soldier in you after all, you play directly into my hands. Yawn, Bantha Herders. Very well. Here is your next and quite possibly last lesson. I call it dying. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Uh, It's so good. Dying? It's so good. Because he's just a fucking evil imperial like general or admiral guy he no, sucks no he's perfect and and sam you know well captain koloff was not present when we played i i put in my big bad evil guy basically the same exact character beat for beat um admiral alexgar i love it he's like a fucking bond villain it's great yeah it's basically yeah no that's actually a perfect way to put it the 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 villain in this module is just a bond villain if he was an imperial officer it's very funny <laughs> very good too well, actually, there's some key differences in how I ran the last encounter that we'll cover next time. The way it's done in the book is just fucking hilarious. He, like, wants a jousting duel with ATSTs. It's fucking funny as that hell. That sounds rad. Yeah. What? Yeah, so Captain Koloff traps them in with a bunch of stormtroopers in a really, really sick isometric map. It really didn't get more Star Wars than this for me for the whole module. Party is on a platform with a bunch of like plasma and oh, lightning it's so shooting good. everywhere. It's, it's yeah. Luke and Leia trying to yes. swing across and the doors busted and the guys are trying to. And there's dudes on platforms like going up above and they're all trying to shoot down at you. It was incredible. Yeah, it's it's a really good encounter. There's no banisters, obviously. 
uh, <laughs> the party is trapped on all sides. They have to like the, the module is really cool because it says just tell them to fucking figure it out. <laughs> Their escape route is one level below them, but they have like this lightning storm and all this blaster fire to contend with. It's overall just amazing. I ran this one wrong. Actually, the party's supposed to cook in combat for a few rounds before Waylex slash, you know, for us, Fanrot reveals that his code is busted and won't work. So, yeah, Waylex says, "Wait, I can't use computers. The party's then supposed to kind of figure out with him like over their shoulder, like, OK, yes, open that file. And then, yes, run this executable. And then they enter Waylex's code. And guess what? Not only is he a liar and can't use computers, his code's also busted. And he's like, but no one could have changed my code except my daughter. And like, that's his, that's his the daughter hates him. Yeah, exactly. His daughter <laughs> clearly hates him um, enough to want him dead. So <laughs> incredible. Yeah, just amazing stuff. I ran it a little wrong. The party had no trouble getting to the computer. And then uh, I, I like skipped ahead in the module by accident. Fanrot was like, my code's wrong. And then. And then combat started. So I got my operation or order of operations messed up a little bit, but ended up being fine. All it did was just truncate the combat a bit, which ended up being okay. I mean, Steven. Yeah. The real enemy of this encounter was the climb skill action. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> how how long is it going to take six? So, well, you know, five players, six, six NPC, seven at this point, actually, you picked up another friend who isn't really relevant. To, to lower a rope and climb down it without dying. Overall, just just amazing. Oh, uh, something I did here that I was really proud of. I also did this in a previous uh, skill challenge as well. When a climb check was failed, like but not super bad failed, I had a party or a party member lose a, a piece of equipment like ammo or, or a weapon or something like totally failed a climb check and I had them lose lose like 15 shots. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's yeah. it was it was brutal. And I described it as it like fell and was vaporized by like an errant plasma like arc from the from the central computer. Really, really cool stuff. I love it because the whole party, what we're doing is we're suppressing enemies. We're aiding yeah. others down the rope. We're suppressing more enemies. And then when you brought out the big guns, the E-webs, all that cool stuff, we start trying to suppress them, too. Yeah, it was it was great. It was a very good, especially a really good use of an isometric map. I don't think I've seen a lot of it, especially not in these sort of three point five. D&D style games you don't see a lot of isometric maps getting used no you sure. don't and this was with our play group this was maybe like the third or like second time we've used a map like this and I was I was having a blast I was so excited and yeah Sam like you alluded to when things started to go a little too well started cranking up my difficulty dial first when the stormies went down I brought out the e-webs and when the e-webs went down I brought out the jet troopers with the uh, rail guns and I was like oh oh just my god so good and then like and some some idiot decided to, you know, oh, we're still going to take out this ship. So uh, let's just throw a, a, a power pack bomb into the generator. Oh, yeah, and- <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Kitch's grand plan to escape. It was so funny. You guys were brainstorming how to escape, you know, while holding off stormtroopers. And, and Kitch is like, I'll detonate a power pack bomb right above the party's heads. That'll be fine. <laughs> so funny. Oh, it was so incredible. funny. It was just the best. It was right here when I had to add in my own difficulty is when I was like, okay, it looks like this module's maybe for level five or level six heroes. I had level nines. So I, I had to, you'll, you'll see later on, I actually had to crank things up a little bit. It doesn't come with a recommended party level because it's converted from a module from like 30 years prior from, from like a different game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, your mileage will vary on that, but yeah, just, you know, play it right. Keep your ear to the ground. Get get have stat blocks ready to use. I, I had my e webs and jet troopers in my pocket ready to go. Be prepared for that when you when you run it. 
I'm just going to say this felt very Star Wars. Mm. There's a lot of very like Death Star Escape, all that cool stuff. Oh, yeah. So just the the, the sheer amount of stormtroopers being thrown at us was like, oh, yeah, you, you forget how, you know, when you see a Star Destroyer on the map, you're like, oh, fuck, we need to get out of here. When you're inside it and there's like 30 dudes behind every single door. It really, uh, you remember, <laughs> you don't forget that. It's like the scene, the scene in a new hope where Han goes through the door and there's like 200 stormtroopers and he starts running away, screaming the other direction. Iconic like, that's scene. what it felt like. <laughs> in fact, the module encourages you to put the players in situations exactly like that. At like at least three different times throughout the whole adventure. It's really fun. It's like, remember that scene when Han was running and screaming, <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, the module directly alludes to that more than once. So it's perfect. But yeah. Like you mentioned, Sam, I love this module because it's the only one I've seen that really captures what it should feel like to go through 900 meters of twisted durasteel. Like like it says at the at <laughs> yeah. the top, it, it really does feel like you're in a small, hostile city that's falling apart around you. It's it's there's really nothing like it. And it does feel I think probably because it, you know, the time of its publication has a lot to do with it. It just feels like very core Star Wars and overall just just amazing. It, it was exhilarating to to play. And I can't wait to talk about the rest of it next time because yes. there's some really cool other encounters that I, and I'm, I can't wait to see what's the Xena sloth original versus this, uh, Weedle hunter extraction. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, you know me, it's like every time I play a module, no matter what the module is or what it's about, I'm, I'm ready to diverge. I'm like, this sucks. I'm doing my own shit now. Like I literally <laughs> find something I don't like, th- throw the rest out the window and just, just leave. So I, I diverge pretty hard in the latter half, but we'll still cover both the what the module is and then what I did to to make it suit my table. There was a, a pretty heavy divergence right at the end. But overall, I, I feel like I really maintain the spirit of the module, and I, I hope you feel the same way. We'll cover that next week. Steven. What? Steven. <laughs> Steven, it's the break time. No, oh, that's not Shaq. Have- Holy fuck. <laughs> We have something to say from a from a very special person, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, Owen Casey Stevens is so grateful for your guys' help. Uh, we sent two hundred and sixty nine dollars his way. Nice, nice. Uh, raised from the patrons and then matched by by yours truly. Uh, he is overflowing with thanks. He wanted to make sure that each and every one of you knows how grateful he is and how you know important these funds are to him for his well-being both physically and mentally and uh you know we're we're wishing owen all the best and and to get well soon we're still gonna link his uh bundles in the description because they're so cool and honestly they're worth picking up if you haven't already come on what are you doing yeah. you've been peddling this shit for five episodes like what do you do <laughs> just buy it already seven hundred dollars of value for thirty five dollars in rpg and system agnostic even yeah uh what are they called? Supplements. That's uh, yeah, the word. supplements. Yeah, there's there's five E stuff. There's three point five E stuff. There's Pathfinder stuff, both first and second edition. Uh, a lot of it is his authorship. A lot of it is not. Uh, it's overall just a massive collection. There's even a Reddit post that we'll we'll share that breaks down what's in each of his bundles. He's got two. Both are a seven hundred dollar value for thirty five dollars each. J- just read it. Just I, there, there's so much fucking cool stuff in there. Sam mentioned there's a good portion of system agnostic stuff that'll work. All across the board, there's Starfinder stuff. Lead designer of Starfinder, this guy is. Don't forget it. Um, so yeah, overall, please help out Owen. This is his preferred method of helping him is is 
to buy his his supplement bundles. So please go take a look. And those sweet patrons who helped us support Owen, what do what do they get for being? Is it done? Are they done now? Do they get can no? They leave no, the, the patrons not only by being charitable have they, they've unlocked a whole world of of stuff to to enjoy. There's maps made by you, Sam. There's module or not? Uh, well, not not modules, but um. Are they supplements? There's guides written by yours truly. Player I, guides, yeah. yeah. Player guides, my hex scroll guides up there. There's some other neat goodies, some behind the scenes looks. Um, the Patreon is largely a tip jar, and and we we thank you very much for it. The big kicker, the thing that we love to offer you is after three months of patronage, depending on your five or ten dollar tier, you will get a sticker or a shirt and sticker, respectively, emblazoned with the Dark Times logo. Custom and exclusive to patrons. There's no other way to get these items of merchandise. And it's our favorite way to say thanks for supporting the show. Awesome. Awesome. That's where all our darkest summer content is going to go as well. Right? Yes. Yes. On, uh, let's see, our last episode before hiatus will be June 28th. Ooh, it's coming up. That is when we will uh, reveal what we're going to do over the darkest summer. And you'll be able to find us exclusively on our Patreon uh, for the months of July and August. Ironically, that'll be the episode we announce the winner of our Pathfinder Build Bounty Showcase. Well, baby, it's like it's all planned. (laughs) It's like poetry at rhymes. Let's get them back to the show, Stephen. See you there. Stephen. Hey, what up? They've set their paths. Now it's time to see if we can follow their footsteps. That's right, folks. Our Pathfinder build bounty has come to a close, and we've been sent the roughest, roughing it roughnecks this side of the Rishi maze. Very, very well done, Sam. That was an Thank excellent, you. excellent wordplay. Thank you. Firstly, I'd like us to take a look at one of the Pathfinder Prestige Class's key abilities. Create cover. Steven, uh, what's create cover do? Oh, create cover is what it's all about. Th- this is like what Pathfinders do. I wish more classes, more prestige classes kind of follow this model of having like one thing and then modifying, changing, you know, uh, iterating on this one ability in, in many different directions. But uh, create cover is is thus. Pathfinders know how to use the terrain to their advantage, creating obstacles and cover from the materials they have on hand. Starting at second level. As a standard action, a Pathfinder can designate a number of squares equal to less than one half of their Pathfinder's class level, all of which must be within six squares of himself or herself. We'll just say themselves because it's, you know, it's the 2020s. These squares are considered (laughs) to be filled with low objects, providing anyone adjacent to the squares with cover against distant attacks. Mobile cover that you can deploy for your buddies? Yes, please, sir. At least one of these squares designated must be adjacent to the Pathfinder. A Pathfinder can use this ability multiple times per encounter, provided that the total number of squares designated across all uses never exceeds the one half class level limit. Thus, a six level Pathfinder can spend one standard action to create two squares of cover, and on a subsequent round, spend another standard action to create a third square of cover, one half of six. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, Yeah, it's fucking nuts. (laughs) A whole lot of words to say. You can make a certain number of cover squares. Also, they are, does it say they are low hanging objects? It says they count as low objects. Low objects. That is explicitly something you can stealth in, by the way, as well. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And then you're also limited. You're capped at making two squares of cover per turn, but you you will have a a maximum set by your your Pathfinder class level. All right, let's get into the submissions. Let's First up, we have Zloy Krolix, Derek Janico, and Zadi Soldier 7, Elite Trooper 3, Gunslinger 1, Pathfinder 1. 
Steven, here's a quote from Zloy. Made it just so it wouldn't have any levels in Scouts. So funny. I didn't even know that was possible. Because <laughs> we talked about Pathfinder being the Scouts bread and butter here. Yeah. Derek Janico is an Anzati mercenary. He disdains his species hidden ways and prefers to face his foes and find his sustenance in open battle. In his long life as a mercenary, he has acquired a number of customized pieces of equipment and weapons. His armor is modified and upgraded. His heavy blasters, mounted on his armor, are likewise modified. If you find this too much, just stick with the modified armor. He will use the DT-12 with rapid shot and trigger work, while the DL-44 will be for area attacks. He uses his jetpack to stay out of melee range and uses burning assault as a final action to deter those who would close on him. Steven, should we be putting a credit limit on these bounties? It might be time to. Uh, we, we haven't. We, one thing I like about our bounties is kind of the open-ended nature of it. I don't want to hand people like a, you know, six bullet list of, of requirements. But uh, the point is to inspire listeners. Right? Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, that's the whole point. And money doesn't make the man. Actions do, I guess. Let's talk about Anzadi. I don't know if we've covered them in the past. Here's what the book says under personality. Oh, boy. For Anzadi, the hunt for soup is their primary goal, just like me at a diner. And they pursue it with the devotion of an addict craving the next fix. Not like me at a diner. I'm more of a pie person when it comes to diner food. I, I like a good burger. <laughs> a good diner burger. Oh, I, stop. We got to stop talking about food during the Dark Times podcast. <laughs> Damn it. Energy drink. So the Anzadis, their whole deal is like they're, you remember the they're Anzadis, vampires. Right? Yeah, I love the they're Anzadis. They're, they're super fucking camp. They got cool, like, noodle face things. Yeah, well, cool, cool is a word. <laughs> cool is a word. Energy drain. As a swift action once per round, an Anzadi can use its proboscis? 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 Just one Probos- to drain energy from mm. a grabbed target, moving the target minus one step on the condition track as a persistent condition. And granting the Anzadi bonus hit points equal to five plus half the Anzadi's character level. The Anzadi can repeat this action each round until the target escapes the grab or until the target is rendered unconscious. If the target survives the feeding attempt, the persistent condition is removed after the target rests for eight hours. Nice. Steven, and the Anzadi also have this cool vampire thing called Mesmerize. What's that do? Oh, yeah. So as a standard action, an Anzadi can make a special attack against the will defense of a single target within six squares. The attack modifier is equal to the Anzadi's character level plus their charisma modifier. If the attack is successful, the target loses its standard action for its next turn. The attack fails. The target's immune to this effect for 24 hours. This is a mind affecting effect. Really cool. Uh, one of the, the to say the Anzadi are, are like niche is probably an understatement, um, but mesmerize is something that I could actually see becoming useful uh, pretty regularly. I mean, action economy manipulation is always, always a plus in these systems. You oh, know? yeah. Lastly, the Anzadi have presence sense. They can, their acute senses enable them to sense a person's luck. When making a survival check to track a living creature, the Anzadi gains a species bonus equal to the quarry's force point total. That's crazy, so right? So interesting. <laughs> yeah, very. There's nothing quite like the Anzadi. I, I have to commend Lloyd's commitment to the bit here. Since the Pathfinder doesn't take a single Pathfinder talent or use a single Pathfinder class feature. Because <laughs> like, you don't get create cover to level two. <laughs> like barely qualifies as as a build yeah. submission. It's just it's it's a big middle finger to our prompt. And that's that that I can see. That's Zloy's, also fine. Yeah, no, that's that's always a sense of humor shining through per usual. Uh, so, yeah, very, very, very good. He does a great job of using the system's vast equipment mechanics to make up for Derek's lack of traditional <laughs> 
I, I said Dar. It's Daric, right? I'm not saying Darik. Darik. No, it's it's Daric. <laughs> Daric's lack of traditional pathfinding means. Let's look at his armor. Krail two ten personal armor. Text specialist for protective armor. Vacuum seals. Helmet package. Jetpack. Integrated equipment. Liquid cable dispenser, camo poncho, encrypted con link, electro binoculars, liquid cable dispenser number two. Uh, he's got like a full Mandalorian armor thing here, and I kind of love it. Sure does. Steven, up next, we've got American Psycho's Gorb Galar. Oh, he's named like a what Dune a name character. to see. Gorb Galar. Gorb, Gorb Galar. Galar. A human scout three, scoundrel one, soldier three, enforcer one, pathfinder three, vanguard one. Holy now, fuck, vanguard, vanguard? That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. A fucking vanguard <laughs> makes an appearance on the show after like 73 <laughs> episodes. My God. Do you want to read what uh, American Psycho wrote about Gorb Galar here? Gladly. A security police officer of the corporate sector authority who specializes in locating and cracking down on illegal trade union activity. Gorb is a simple man whose sole motivation is acquiring the largest possible quarterly bonus, as well as retaining his employee of the month streak going on two years. Oh, I've worked with this guy. <laughs> he takes his job way too seriously and has an ego that could power the Death Star. This is so funny. Considering any challenge to his authority is both a deeply personal insult. Oh, I am this guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How'd you know, Steven? It's <laughs> And an existential threat to the corporate sector. I, this guy is going in my campaign. (laughs) Gorb shoots first, shoots last, and in any sane government would probably be in jail for holding the world record and excessive use of force complaints. Gorb's stun baton, nicknamed the lie detector, God, is one of the first (laughs) built for use by the Espos, his ancestor being among the earliest members of the infamous law enforcement division. Oh, my God. This so here's here. Go ahead. Go, please. Robocop looks like a fucking meter maid <laughs> compared to this guy. That's a, that's a glowing review. Makes Robocop look like a meter maid. That's fair. <laughs> Build concept. Gorb uses his Espo riot gun, an exceptional utilization of safe zone cover to crush those silly workers rights <laughs> movements with the bunker buster talent and create cover from Pathfinder. You can reliably set up the ability to aim as a move action combined with the cover bracing talent from the enforcer talent tree and the rifle master feat lets you brace a blaster carbine without it being auto fire only. You can brace as a swift action, allowing you to let off painful shots on union terrorists, threatening the profitability of the corporate sector. <laughs> Vanguard talent, maximize cover, combined with the camouflage talent, hunker down, means that Gorb's cover bonus to reflex is higher, and any criminal wanting to aim around him must first beat his exceptional stealth check. Let's look at the Espo 500 riot gun, made by Blast Tech, by the way. It's standard issue for all Espo troopers. It functions in most ways as a blaster carbine. However, the riot gun is known for its indiscriminate accuracy. When in single shot mode, the riot gun imposes a minus one penalty to range attack rolls. However, the weapon grants a plus two equipment bonus to auto fire attacks made by the weapon, meaning that for most wielders, the weapon can be fired in auto fire mode with only a minus three penalty instead of the normal minus five. Wow. Steven, what's Hunker Down do? Hunker Down's a really good fit for Pathfinders. When you benefit from cover, you can spend a standard action to hunker down and maximize the benefit of the cover, which takes it from cover to improved cover, or improved cover to total cover. If you haven't reviewed the cover page in a while, this might not sound like a big deal, but going from cover to improved cover makes your cover bonus go from plus 5 to plus 10. And improved cover to total cover, well, Sam, we all know the other word for total cover. It's called a wall. They cannot see you, let alone hit you from behind total cover. Really, really cool. 
when used with the Pathfinder, extremely effective because you are carrying your cover in your pocket. It gets better, Steven. With maximized cover, when an opponent uses the aim action to negate your cover, you can make a stealth check opposed by the attacker's initiative check, which I think is their base one from the start of the encounter. Yeah. If successful, you retain your cover bonus. <laughs> wow. Okay, I, I I might have to stop you there. I think it is you you roll the opposed right then and there. You make. You think it's an opposed one right there? Yeah, I think it, I think they don't use their initiative from the start of the encounter. It, it says opposed makes me think enemy rolls initiative, you roll stealth. So I don't even think I knew about this talent. A big middle finger to their aim at you just drain their aiming, which is already kind of <laughs> annoying to do anyway. Yeah, those two swift actions they spent so long. Yeah, I lo- I love that it's just it's like oh the action's gone. You spent yeah. the aim action. But I rolled better than you on initiative that you didn't expect me to have to roll. It's so cool. It's just great. And it's they'll great. probably still miss. <laughs> they'll probably still miss. Yeah. Because it's a still you retain the plus 10 to cover. It's insane. Cover bracing. You can brace a weapon set on auto fire as a single swift action instead of two. If you are adjacent to an object, including walls, barriers and vehicles that provides you with cover from all of the target squares. Steven, it's a cover creating auto fire build spray and pave the way to your allies, Gorb, the way for your allies, Gorb. You deserve a bonus just for writing down spray and pave here. (laughs) Thank you, Steven. Thank you. (laughs) Gorb's signature riot gun is nicknamed the lawgiver as well. (laughs) American Psycho also stated in his email that his utility belt has, I quote, an absurd amount of binder cuffs. (laughs) Of course he does. This guy sucks and also rules. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Excellent build. Up next, we've got Aaron's Nikolash Nikov, the driver. Oh, boy. A Fosh Noble One, Scout Three, Soldier Two, Scoundrel One, Pathfinder Three, Medic One, Vanguard One. The second of uh, the second appearance of Vanguard this episode. And the same insane. bounty. <laughs> and a Fosh, no less. Like, my gosh. A Fosh. Fosh, Fosh, Bagosh. <laughs> Fosh, Fosh, Bagash. This build is a cover-hugging specialist while also providing support via a treat injury, a functional speeder that fits in most areas, and the Pathfinder safe zone talent, which is usually focused around said speeder or the nearest bar table he has to flip over. Double agent providing setup time and Malachite techniques punishing any mooks who get in the way. We're, we're big fans of double agent here on the Dark Times podcast, aren't oh, we, yeah. Stephen? <laughs> big time. Aaron wrote this for Nikolash here. I'll read it aloud for you now. Nikolaj was a cabbie, escort, you name it. If it was a transport going from A to B and he could banter with the passengers, he made sure it flew the smoothest. But that changed when the Empire came in. All the businesses were forced out and all the transportation was halted, lest insurgents be given away to disrupt their imposed tranquility. That's when the rebellion swept through like a storm and took him along with it. Suddenly he was seeing the vastness the galaxy had to offer, but the cost of fighting a foe monstrous enough that his Fosh heritage was key to his survival. I'd make jokes about how it couldn't be the bud driver at all, but my social anxiety is killing me as I'm typing this, and I believe I have enough here to entertain thoughts and spur on ideas. You sure do, Aaron. Thank you so much. Aaron, seriously, thanks a ton for submitting this. (laughs) Aaron said that the cover benefits include hunker down, allowing him to improve his cover as a standard action, up to total if he has the time, trench warrior giving him a plus one to attacks when he's using cover against an opponent, and sniper shot giving a separate plus two to attacks at a minus five reflex that's already covered by the cover. Maximize cover giving stealth versus initiative check every time an opponent tries to aim past his cover, just like the last build, and his trusty KA-74 slug thrower having the slinker upgrade so he doesn't have to, I quote, waste time aiming. (laughs) We all hate it. Yeah, I hate spending swift actions to aim. 
The medic is in crucial here as well, Stephen. Let's talk about the healing benefits. Bosch tears are free med packs slash medical kits and provide a plus two bonus on some checks. Revivify gets plus two from med packs. Treater injury gets plus two from med kits. Battlefield remedy pulls uh, the injured up on the condition track when they get treated injuries, bringing them back. Sorry, the <laughs> rather the talent bring them back gives time to pull people's asses out of the fire and zone of recuperation gives three bonus hit points if you second wind in his safe zone. Honorable mentions go out to improve stealth, allowing a reroll on stealth checks like maximum cover and vehicular combat for being a driver's best friend. Steven, what's safe zone from the Pathfinder talent tree? Very good. Safe zone as a standard action, you can identify a safe zone within which your allies gain certain advantages. You designate a four by four square area of the combat area. Thank you, Swissy authors, for writing that. <laughs> as a safe zone, at least one square of the safe zone must be the square you currently occupy. Each ally who starts their turn within the safe zone gains a plus two circumstance bonus to his or her fortitude defense and will defense until the start of the ally's next turn. The safe zone lasts until the end of the encounter. and You have only one safe zone in effect at a time. You can create a new safe zone as a standard action, dismissing the old safe zone and replacing it with a new one, but no square of the old safe zone can overlap with any square of the new safe zone. You cannot create a safe zone in a space that overlaps another Pathfinder's safe zone, which is interesting. That's a very interesting caveat, I guess. It I think is. it's because you don't want to stack the fortitude bonuses, which are very hard to come by in this system. Yeah, I don't know many fortitude bonuses, and particularly at higher levels where it becomes less about HP and more about the condition track. Uh, nuts. Just nuts. We got to talk about zone of recuperation. Any ally who catches a second wind while within your safe zone regains an additional number of hit points equal to your class level. Oh, that's so, so fucking cool. I know it's only awesome. your class level, so like, eh, but, oh, three from Pathfinder, but it's still sick. Yeah, it's sick at higher levels. Three hit points is three hit points, my yeah. man. Seriously, we, we've we learned that one. Yeah, we have. <laughs> and then bring them back from the advanced medicine talent tree. You can use the revivify action of the treat injury skill on a target that has died any time within a number of rounds equal to one half your heroic level. Heroic level makes this insane. Yeah, this medic is a prestige class already. So at least four rounds after dying, you can still be brought back. For, you know, a level one medic, which is super sick. Yeah, that. Oh, I love medic. Oh, Fosh medic is a slap. You know all about Fosh medic. (laughs) Oh, I love Fosh medic, my friend. I love Fosh medic. But enough about Fosh medics. Fosh medic is take 10. Boom. Fuck your life. 36 hit points. (laughs) At least take 10 to close up a blaster wound. instantly. (laughs) Let's talk about the next build we brought. It's Ben's codename Shepard. Human, Noble 2, Soldier 2, Scoundrel 1, Scout 3, Pathfinder 3, Assassin 1. Attention Rebel Cells. The Imps have a new unit in the system. Codename Shepard, he and his psychic Bantha are using a variety of tactics to hinder our operations and cause unrest in our ranks. Shepard is an accomplished sniper and will herd units to ambush sites or have Bantha ride local mounts in our lines, causing chaos that he exploits to his advantage. Be wary of Bantha and do not follow him into the jungle for an ambush is sure to be waiting. Shepard will start with sniping at range using Bantha as a spotter or as bait to lure in rebels. With each attack, he can use Bantha herder to move enemies and a manipulating strike to cause enemies to drop equipment as their swift actions. At close range with an attack, he can use Rant with Manipulating Strike to cause enemies to lose its move and give a move to Bantha. He then gives Bantha his move with Safe spash- with safe, safe, with safe <laughs> Passage to give himself more shots by way of attacks of opportunity, granting more Rant from Demoralizing Shot, and with 
each, I think it's demoralizing strike actually. Yeah. And with each successful attack, he moves that enemy with Bantha Herder. Bantha is used to move across enemy lines, taking attacks of opportunity, mobility plus five dodge bonus, and rapid reaction to use mounted combat and mounted regiment to reduce the amount of attacks that hit his mount. Funnily enough, Steven, Bantha's not a mount, he's a guy. Oh, I see. <laughs> Bantha's I, not a system, he's a pirate or whatever. I thought we were going to do like an elaborate Mass Effect uh, reference here, but uh, I'm excited to see where this is going. No, Steven, uh, Bantha's a human non-heroic 12 utility follower. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. But enough about Bantha. This is about Shepard. All right. Let's talk about, the, Steven, what's the rant? Talent. This is actually, I'm glad you asked me, Sam, because this is one of my favorite talents. Uh, it's from the revolutionary rhetoric talent tree, I think. You are a master of voicing your opinion loudly, continuously, and distractingly. I, I, this is, I think I have this talent IRL, Sam. <laughs> if you succeed in making a persuasion check to intimidate an enemy that is within six squares of you and can hear, see, and understand you, you deny that enemy the use of a move action on its next turn instead of gaining the normal intimidation results. You grant one ally a move action to use immediately. The ally uses the move action as a reaction. It's actually the exile talent tree. Ah, sorry. My bad. But still, I love this talent. It's it's, it's I, great. Yeah, it's you have great. a favorite talent that you haven't actually used in game. <laughs> well, <is> <laughs> <laughs> Trying to use it IRL as well. It's not oh, working so well. God, if it was that easy. <laughs> Let's talk about demoralizing strike feet. When you successfully deal damage to an opponent with an attack of opportunity, you can immediately make a persuasion check to intimidate the opponent as a free action. This is this is noble builds bread and butter right here. Especially doing like a scoundrel thing, you know? Yes. Escort fighter means you can spend a swift action to designate one adjacent ally until the start of your next turn. If you move, that ally can move the same number of squares, provided that the ally ends its movement adjacent to you. You cannot move a distance greater than the ally's speed. Safe passage. Once per turn, you can use you can spend a move action to allow one ally within line of sight to move up to its speed as a reaction. If a target makes an attack of opportunity against the ally during its movement, you can make an attack of opportunity against that target. This is where the system comes into play. Oh, I Bantha, see it now. Bantha gets an attack of opportunity. You take the shot from a distance. Use your rant or demoralizing strike to to deny move actions. It's great. It's so good. Uh, great submission, Ben. Real bold move to uh, include a follower build. <laughs> <laughs> very, very creative. Up next, we have Iro's Tezi Handu. Oh, man, really? Everyone showed up for this. Uh, Fucking, it's like an Avengers movie here. <laughs> <laughs> With Dark Times listeners, Human Scout 3, Jedi 1, Scoundrel 1, Soldier 2, Pathfinder 4, Bounty Hunter 1. Tezi is part of the Koronai tribe that lives in the jungle of Harun Kal. Its existence has been completely shaken after the Baloai invasion. He couldn't bear the sight of the destroyed jungle, so he decided to completely embrace the... Pelicotan and join the resistance with his companion, the Akdog, Zolda. But the destruction faced by the planet made the anger rise in the heart of Tezzy that every day became more cruel versus the invaders. Before the end of the conflict, Tezzy was seen shooting its enemy, his enemy from a safe distance while Zolda was devouring their flesh. Wow. No one knows how this battle will end, but it is sure that the scars of Harun Kal and on Tezzy's heart will last forever. Thank you, Iroh. The idea for this build is to have a marksman in the jungle that shoots its targets while the beast distracts and attacks them. That's right, Steven. Second follower build. Holy uh, shit. Steven, this is unheard of in Dark Times history. Unprompted. We didn't ask for these. Two, two vanguards. follower builds. <laughs> two vanguards and two follower builds in the same build bounty. That You guys really came out for this one. I'm very impressed with, with each and every one of you. Let's talk about the Korunai 
Force Tradition, I believe it's called, and then the Act Dog Master Talent Tree. Steven, what is the Act Dog Master Talent? Wow, okay. Um, you gain an, I didn't even know this talent existed. What what tree is this on? Let me let me double check. Yeah. You gain an Act Dog follower. Choose either the aggressive follower template, the defensive follower template, or the utility follower template, and generate the Act Dog follower statistics using the Act Dog follower template. Uh, this one included is aggressive. The Act Dog follower automatically gains the power attack feat as a bonus feat. Additionally, any force power you activate that targets that targets you can target your Act Dog. Oh, that targets you. Oh, whoa. Holy shit. Additionally, (laughs) (laughs) additionally, any force power that you activate that targets you can target your Act Dog follower instead at your discretion. An Act Dog counts towards the total number of followers you have, just like followers gained from other talents. This is from the Korunai Adept Talent Tree from the Clone Wars campaign guide. Wow, very cool. Maybe I'm, I'm going to bookmark this. We might go back to that later because uh, this is Do you is remember very cool. the dude the, from the Clone Wars show with like the cool hat I and do. he had the act dog? Yeah. Yeah, this is like like this guy. This That's guy ruled. so fucking cool. That guy was yeah. awesome. Voiced by Dave Filoni too. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the dog probably was too if you Probably knowing back. him. <laughs> We've got the Act Dog Trainer's Action Talent from the same talent tree. You and your Act Dog have bonded through the Force and can fight in concert. You can use any of the followers' actions on your turn, attack in concert. As a standard action, you can make a melee or range attack against a target in range. If your Act Dog follower is adjacent to the target and your attack hits, the target also takes piercing damage equal to 1d6 plus the Act Dog's strength modifier. This additional damage is considered part of your attack for the purpose of revolving damage, damage reduction, shield rating, and overcoming damage threshold. That's so good. That's sick. <laughs> so cool. Fall upon prey. As a standard action, you can make a melee or range attack against the target in range, and your act dog can take the charge action against the target within its range. However, both you and your act dog take a minus five penalty on your attack rolls. This replaces the bonus to attack rolls granted by the charge action. It's... I love it. It's the two hearts beating at the same time, ripping dudes' throats. Oh, speaking of ripping dudes' throats out. What, what's what's a closer bond than that? I know, right? <laughs> Maybe podcast hosts? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you really are like the act dog to my core and I am of this podcast, of podcasting, Stephen. So funny. The last act dog trainer action is paired mall. Mall? <laughs> mall? As a standard action, you can make a melee or range attack against the target in range. If the target hits, your act dog follower gains a plus two competence bonus on its next attack against that target. This is a sick build that also uses Escort Fighter. It even goes as far as to use Dark Rage and Battle Strike on Tezzy's act dog Zolda while using the Pathfinder's cover to provide fire as well for uh, Tezzy. Oh, I didn't even consider Dark Rage. It's so sick. Battle oh Strike and Dark Rage on your dog. It's cool. Oh. Iroh also included a round by round breakdown in his email as well, which we're going to save for you guys to check out. In oh, those the, uh, are those are classic. That's helpful. That's, That's like so some old good. form shit. Yeah, it's so good. Last but not least, though, Stephen, we have Lil Literalist Zan Dianova, an Umbran Scout Seven Pathfinder Two Vanguard Three. The Vanguards take it, folks. <laughs> I wow. was really, I was on the on the wire here, seeing if if followers were gonna win this build bounty, <laughs> if vanguards were. <laughs> little literalist included a little uh, excerpt for us here. Zan Dianova was born and raised on the shadowy world of Umbara. From a young age, Zan participated in junior shooting competitions, exhibiting remarkable skills as a sharpshooter. Her sharp eyesight and steady hand made her a natural with a blaster rifle, and she placed well in numerous competitive events. Zan's parents. Kalan and Saria Dianella were staunch supporters of Umbara's secession from the Galactic Republic. 
They believe that Ambaru's sovereignty was being trampled upon and that their people deserved to chart their own course. They actively fought the Republic's presence on Ambara and joined a group of resistance fighters. Sadly, like all resistance fighters, parents, they end up being killed by someone. It's the rules. It's in the core rulebook. Look it up. Yeah, it's in the core rulebook. Your parents must die. <laughs> Zan's an orphan, is griefed, angered, her world's shattered. She has to fight for Umbar's independence. She joins the resistance. Uh, eventually, the Empire takes over, and then she's like, oh, well, shit, I'm going to join the, uh, the, Re the Rebellion instead and fight the Empire, just like my parents fought the Republic. It's super sick. I love it. Zan relies on an ambush playstyle, though stealth is played in different ways by different groups. Zan can use her talents to quite reliably take on the role of the classic hidden sniper. A normal turn starting hidden is a swift action to aim using the bunker buster talent, as we talked about earlier in the episode, a standard action to attack and a swift action to snipe, which is a reduced cost due to hidden attacker. If Zan's noticed, she can move and become concealed again quite easily with fade out, which also allows her to flex her high stealth check with rerolls. Perhaps due to the way her parents died, Zan is most comfortable when she has something between her and her enemy, playing quite a bit with cover. Dive for cover lets her get to cover quickly. Create cover can create cover even if there's none nearby. And then between the two abilities, impenetrable cover means that Zan will almost always have DR3 from ranged attacks. There's so much cool shit in the system that lets you like use cover better, which is yeah. great because it's a war system. So there should be cover almost at all times. Right. GMs. If your players are like, why? How come this ATST kicked our asses? It's because there's no fucking cover in the whole encounter. Come on. Bingo. Maximize cover with stealth versus initiative checks means that Zan's cover will almost never be negated by aiming. The bunker buster reduces the actions to aim and hunker down can give Zan improved or even total cover like we talked about earlier if she's willing to spend some time not firing. Thank you so much, everyone, for sending in those builds. They were it was so much to go through. <laughs> what a and, particularly uh, <laughs> potent submission of of builds we we really really appreciate it guys and uh, honestly it's going to be so cool to see who ends up being the the patron's favorite because i know i can't pick i love all of these <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i know one thing is i would not want to be on the receiving end of any bounties given to these folks that's for no sure. <laughs> no <laughs> oh man oh Stephen, I'm lightheaded from all that podcasting. Yeah, you today. were going hard, man. Way to way to go. Great job assembling all those for us, Sam, from from our, our generous submitters and uh, great, great work. Absolutely. Everyone will be able to get those in the description and then the, the polls should go up on the Patreon as soon as the episode airs. Stephen, do you have any trivia for us this week? Uh, yeah, we're over time. <laughs> Okay, okay, we're over. T I'll let you save it for next week then, you bastard. Okay, <laughs> the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. You can you can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your listeners about the show. And tell them about these great, great Vanguard and follower builds we talked about today on this show. No one will believe you. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Follower builds in the bounty, huh? That's a risky move. Let's see if it pans out. <laughs> have a great night, everybody. Uh, good night, everybody. No, Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? <laughs> we would be honored if you would join us. <laughs> I absolutely think you've used that one before. <laughs> yeah, but if you know, you know. Good night, everybody.
It was a fucking marathon sprint at the end there. You did great, buddy. Thank might, you. Might have to slow down your voice just a little bit. I don't know. You'll you'll see how it sounds. We'll I, I could understand you. You could or you couldn't? I could. Okay. Good. I'd tell you if I couldn't. Okay, good. 